Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of the show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. Let's talk about human trafficking. According to the Palermo Protocol, the internationally recognized definition of human trafficking, trafficking in persons shall mean the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons by means of the threat or use of force or other forms of coercion, of abduction, of fraud, of deception, of abuse of power, or of a position of vulnerability, or of the giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having control of another person for the purpose of exploitation. Exploitation shall include, at a minimum, the exploitation of the prostitution of others or other forms of sexual exploitation, forced labor or services, slavery or practices similar to slavery, servitude or removal of organs. Now, it's really important to break down the definition of human trafficking into three elements. All that I've said there is probably very overwhelming to the layman. However, I want to point out something that is very important. The definition, which can be found on the internet, very clearly separates the acts, the means, and the purpose. It says recruitment, comma, transportation, comma, transfer, comma, harboring, or receipt of persons. It's really important for me to explain that these commas separate the word before and the word afterwards. Therefore, it is not necessary for there to be recruitment and transportation. Transportation and transfer. Transfer and harboring. The use of the word or means it can be either recruitment, either transportation, either transfer, either harboring, 
either receipt of persons. When it talks about by means of the use of threat or the use of force or the use of coercion or the use of abduction or the use of fraud or the use of deception or the use of abuse of power or the use of a position of vulnerability. And the reason I'm placing emphasis here is because unfortunately, a lot of people misunderstand trafficking. Often, the belief is that trafficking requires movement. That is not the case. When you look at the definition, it does not require movement. And unfortunately, quite often, even on websites of charities and non-government organizations, the term movement is used. But if we look at this definition, it is very apparent that it does not have to have movement. It could have one of the other things mentioned. It does not have to have deception. It could have abduction or coercion. In other words, for this definition to be satisfied when a criminal offense has been committed, one of those three must be met. Acts, means, and purpose. At a minimum, one act, one means, one purpose. If there are multiple acts, multiple means, multiple purposes, that is not an issue. But the point I want to explain is it requires only one of those elements. And I say that because somebody recently informed me of a situation when they were younger and how their nanny or pair childminder had tried to traffic them for the purposes of sexual services. Now, hearing the story, I did not believe prima facie on the face of it that it was trafficking. Similarly, there was a case in Trinidad of a church and this church had kept either members of the congregation or individuals that were at risk of harm to themselves or others. If those individuals were members of the congregation, it is because they were either at risk of harm to themselves or others. So from my understanding of reading the article, it was not random people from the congregation. If there were any congregants involved, it is because they were a danger either to themselves or to others. And I want to point out that these individuals had, to my understanding, mental health issues. Now, what I'll explain about that article that I'd read in the newspaper, it spoke about the church and how that church had kept these individuals inside confined spaces. They could be described as cages. Now, many of my friends and contacts in Trinidad bombarded my phone with the article, with videos, and truth be told, I did not watch any videos that I received. Why is that? Quite frankly, it is because I don't have space on my phone. So it's nothing more complicated than the fact that I don't have space issues. And also, for me personally, when a person sends a photo or a video, I really need to know what is the purpose of them sending me the video, 
What do they intend to accomplish or achieve by me receiving this? Number one, I have space issues, so I'm not going to download it. But number two, if I'm just receiving a video that has been shared with a dozen friends and isn't personalized to me, I'm not going to go to the trouble of opening it. For me, I believe that knowledge is power, and I'm one of those individuals that, although I may be a conspiracy theorist at heart, I don't want to engage in false news or fake news. And as best as I can, I try to protect myself and safeguard myself from negativity. Therefore, during the lockdown, I cut myself off completely from civilization, abstain from responding or reading messages on my phone on Facebook for about three months. There were a few friends that I was able to communicate with, but the vast majority of people may hear from me, but there was no direct interaction, and that is because I did not want to hear anything negative. I did not want to know anything negative. When people are dying left, right, and center, that can be very traumatic. And as a born-again Christian, the Bible speaks about positivity. In Philippians, it talks about focusing on things that are positive. That are honourable, upright, and just. I always misquote the scripture, but the purpose of that scripture is to get us to know that our focus should not be on things of darkness, but things of light. Things that are wholesome, honest, honourable, upright, just, and true. That is the focus of that scripture. So I appreciate. I don't remember it word for word, but I understand the context and the meaning behind it. Therefore, for myself, I'm not going to want to read or hear about the number of deaths. Because realistically speaking, in my life, as an attorney, a public speaker, and an author, hearing about the number of deaths is not going to add any value to the work that I do. On the contrary, it is quite depressing. And in fact, I will be honest with you and say that during the lockdown, which started in the UK from the 23rd of March and ended around, I'd say, the 1st of July. Throughout this entire duration, I did not leave my house. As a vegan, I have certain dietary needs, so once a month I would go grocery shopping. I did not wear a mask because there was not a requirement for that, and I didn't want to wear a mask. But I will say that I remained isolated indoors for that entire duration, and even when the lockdown was lifted sometime in June, I still did not go out. Why? Although the Bible says we should not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind, I did have fear from things I'd heard. I did not even go on Facebook. I made post articles, but I did not engage in anything that was on Facebook. I completely cut myself off. Would post things, but wouldn't read, wouldn't respond. And even when I went on the internet, I would see bulletins. I would see things that popped up. I could not avoid that. And some of the things that I heard were frightening, in fact. At my young and undisclosed age, I'm not ready to die. There are a lot of things I want to accomplish, and as many of you know, I'm still single and would like to get married one day. I dream of building an orphanage in the Philippines, of building safe houses, of building bakeries to hire ex-convicts. I have a lot of dreams that have yet to be fulfilled or accomplished. I'm not ready to die, and although I went to the supermarket without a mask, it was not a requirement, and I simply didn't want to wear one. However, Although I maybe didn't really take everything so seriously, I was following the guidelines. I was isolating and I was staying at home. I say all that to say, 
Although human trafficking prevention and child abuse prevention are indeed my passion, and although it is my desire to take my message far and wide, I do have a life outside of these topics, and therefore I do not want to be overwhelmed by all this negativity. Because as a human being, there's only so much that I can bear, and I say that because I have been working in a domestic violence charity. And truth be told, I'd say just before the first of July, around the twenty ninth, thirtieth of June, I started to struggle. I would say I'm trying to find the best way to articulate. I started to struggle with the work I was doing, and I don't mean the work type. I mean with the nature of the work. Listening for forty hours a week to stories from victims and survivors of domestic violence perpetrated by a partner, husband, ex-partner, was simply overwhelming. I'd been in my position from the eighteenth of March, and by the end of June, I really could not handle it any more. I realized that the work I want to do. Is I want to be proactive, not reactive. I want to educate. I want to empower before a person is abused or violated. I do not want to pick up the pieces. And in fact, as I prepare for the coming weeks, my desire is indeed to hand in my notice, because for me, I realize that self-care is important, and we have to protect ourselves. The Bible says in First Corinthians ten thirteen b. God only gives you what you can bear, so you can stand up underneath it. The Lord knows how much we can handle. We, as believers, maybe don't realize that we are indeed strong enough to go through certain challenges, trials, and tests. But for me myself, I realize that now is the time for me to close that door of domestic violence work and walk into human trafficking prevention, which is my specialization and passion. But please understand, I'll say it again. Although that is my passion and my specialization, I still need to be able to have that self-care and to have that balance. And so, when I received videos and messages, it was overwhelming. My phone was overwhelmed because there was no space. But it was overwhelming because when they're sending me things, I didn't understand the purpose of why they were sending it to me. I've been traveling to Trinidad and Tobago for four years and been given my message. And sadly, what I hear too often is trafficking doesn't happen here. Trafficking only happens with the Venezuelans. And so, for me, truth be told, I was a little bit frustrated that I'm being bombarded with these articles because they're telling me something that, although I don't know about this particular case, this particular allegation of trafficking, I know that it happens in Trinidad. And so, I almost felt as though when people were sending me this, they were trying to prove to me. Trafficking is happening. When, on the contrary, I've been the one trying to prove that for years. Now, from what I had read in that article, I did not think it was trafficking. I heard about the pastor. I believe it was the pastor who had kept these individuals inside these cages where they slept, and that was what he had done for whatever duration. They were not, to my knowledge, being physically, sexually, or mostly emotionally abused. But they were kept in the confines of this cage, if I can call it that, for their safety and the safety and well-being of others. Do I agree with that? No, I don't. However, without knowing the full circumstances surrounding why the pastor or the leader of this church felt it was appropriate, 
I really cannot comment in too much detail. But what I'll say, and I'll say it again, from what I read, I was 100% convinced this is not human trafficking. What I thought is it may be false imprisonment, but it did not, in my mind, constitute human trafficking. And some months later, I've had people come and say to me it was not trafficking. And I said, that is exactly what I thought. Now, one person did reach out to me and they allege that one of their family members was indeed a victim of this case and that their family member did die and that they wanted my support. Now, I must point out, as a New York attorney, I cannot provide legal advice outside of New York. Every country's laws are different. Furthermore, if this is not a human trafficking case, there's very little I can really say. I cannot bring back that family member and I cannot provide legal representation. And at the end of the day, with the work I do, I travel so much that my knowledge is very much international and is not specific to Trinidad or to India or Indonesia. It is a lot broader. My knowledge and understanding of trafficking is very broad and covers my experiences from what I've seen, what I've heard and researched. Now, looking back at the various elements of human trafficking, I'm going to break them down very specifically so that hopefully if you do read or hear of a situation, you can identify whether it does indeed satisfy the legal definition of trafficking. The three elements are act, means and purpose. Now, when I give my talks, because I'm speaking typically to laymen, those are individuals who are not in a job or in a profession where they are dealing with human trafficking per se. But quite often, I'm speaking to parents, caregivers, teachers. And when I say not directly involved in trafficking in the sense of being able to detect it, if trafficking was taking place, for example, with a child, the parents may not understand that trafficking is taking place because they're not witnessing things. There are signs and identifiers of a trafficking victim and signs and identifiers of a pimp. And when I speak, time is short, of course. My primary focus is on giving them the signs and identifiers to be able to decipher if a child has been abused or exploited. And once they've identified that, to allow the police to get involved and allow the police to determine if it is a trafficking instance, a trafficking case. But of course, I appreciate that for those of you that listen to these podcasts because you want to understand more in detail trafficking, not so much for safeguarding your children, but maybe because you are like one of our speakers, Chris Cavallero, maybe you're an awareness warrior, maybe you're an individual who actually wants to teach people on this topic, who actually wants to implement the knowledge that you gain in your place of work. For you to be better equipped, I have to go one step further, and that is to use legal definitions and terminology so that you're better equipped and you have better understanding of this topic. With ACT, recruitment, transport, transfer, harboring, receipt of persons, those all fall under the element of ACT. Recruitment, transport, transfer, harboring, receipt of persons. And remember, each of these elements are separate 
Each of these elements are indeed separate. One element will be sufficient. With the means, we have threat or use of force, coercion, abduction, fraud, deception, abuse of power or vulnerability, giving payments or benefits. Again, for means, threat or use of force, coercion, abduction, fraud, deception, abuse of power or vulnerability, giving payments or benefits. Purpose, the third element, exploitation, including prostitution of others, sexual exploitation, forced labor, slavery or similar practices, removal of organs, other types of exploitation. Again, purpose, exploitation, including prostitution of others, sexual exploitation, forced labor, slavery or similar practices, removal of organs, other types of exploitation. Now, each of these elements must be present for an offense of human trafficking. The act is what is done. The means is how it is done. And the purpose is why it is done. So these three elements, what is done, how it is done, and why it is done. It is also important to point out that criminalization can also include attempts to commit a trafficking offense, participating as an accomplice in such an offense, organizing or directing others to commit trafficking. And this one may specifically be relevant when we have pimps who will have their prostitutes traffic some of the other women and girls who are being sexually exploited. It is also important to point out that trafficking can occur across borders and within a country. This can be described as domestic trafficking, which is when a person is trafficked in their home country. As I've said in previous weeks, for example, you could be born in New York, live in New York, and be trafficked in New York. You would not have to leave your bedroom if you're being trafficked by your mother or father. It is also important to point out that with trafficking, it is for a range of exploitative purposes, not just sexual exploitation, not just sex trafficking or prostitution. The victims of trafficking can be boys and girls, men and women. It can also include adults as well as children. And even in the sex industry, it can include boys as well as men. It also can take place with or without the involvement of organized crime groups. Sometimes a gang or a crime group is involved in one form of criminal enterprise, for example, drugs or weapons, and then they move over into selling women and girls. Because with drugs and weapons, once you've sold that product, you will need to get more of that item. You will need to get more drugs, more weapons. But with a human being, 
When you traffic a person, they can be sold over and over again, which is why it is one of the most lucrative criminal industries because a woman can be sold repeatedly until either she takes her life, dies of HIV/AIDS, or is murdered at the hands of the pimp or the so-called customer. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education, and when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book. Can you keep a secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another, and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changing c a s e s.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world would be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode.